What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Tuesday, February 7th on Show and Go with Taylor Davis. I'm Jack McMullen. Taylor, ready to talk about Michael Jordan's baseball career. We were just talking about uh, MJ a little bit before we hit the record button as LeBron is set to break Kareem's record this week. So we're going to do a little cross-sport stuff. We're also going to talk about what makes a guy must-watch in Major League Baseball. You know, who players can't get enough of watching and, you know, what kind of tools create that person. But first and foremost... This is when people start to pack their stuff up and, and head out to Arizona and Florida, right? Pitchers and catchers are reporting next week. What was your timeline heading into pitchers and catchers reporting for spring training? Yeah, um, guys are, I mean, guys, it just depends, uh, you know, new teams or this goes kind of back to the, gosh, we're, uh, first first conversation, we're saying it, Jack, the same six things, right? That's fine. Um. This goes back to the conversation with Bryce. Like, got to kind of got to break it down to like a, a there's certain groups of individuals, right? If you're a guy that's that knows you're going to make the team, and you guys are probably not a playoff team, you're at the bottom of the division, you're you're probably showing up a day or two in advance. If you're a guy that's trying to make a team, either way, uh, you were there last year, you weren't there last year, you're probably showing up a little bit early. Uh, if you're a yeah. new guy to a team. You want to get around those guys, get seen as much as possible. Um, and then, you know, I, I've said, and I just say this because when I was in Chicago, it happened, but like the good teams that Chicago had, dude, it was full spring training before spring training started. Damn. There were full groups of BP, like multiple groups of BP, uh, multiple groups of ground balls. There were, you know, it, it's uh, guys were ready to get going and, and, and ready to get going fast. I think like a little bit of the, of the guys were like, man, that that ugly taste left in your mouth from the year before. Let's get that out of there. Let's get going. But pitchers and catchers is always fun, man. It really is. You know, it's just like it's 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 you and the boys, and and it's fun for the catchers because we're the only ones that hit. So it's uh, right. it's like, you know, we get that like little. Normally, we're the ones that are hitting at the end of groups or late because we had to go catch bullpens, and now just us, just you. You you can. What you have as many swings as you want, right? There's there's no traffic at all. There's nobody that you gotta like, you know, forfeit your swings for, which is just excellent, I'm sure. Pretty much what you're saying is like good situations with a bunch of talented players. Like everybody wants to be around each other right away, right? Absolutely, and I think that it's getting a little bit more so as the as baseball goes on, and as as you know, we've talked about how talented the sport is, and. I think that as we're going, I think guys are showing up a little bit earlier just in general um, because to be around that talent, you know, you want to be around that and you want to see what you're going to compete against. You want to get an idea. But at the end of the day, you just really want to be around that coaching staff so you can have a chance to be in the big leagues and have a chance to, you know, just like anything else, you know, if you, your first impression is so important. So you want to get around that coaching staff and make sure that you uh, do the things the correct way around those guys. I also feel like structure may be more apparent now than it was in, you know, obviously decades prior, but even just a couple of years ago, right? Structure now is is so much more apparent. And you see all these prospects, how you see Major League Baseball players that are at Tread or working with Cressy or at Driveline in Seattle, and they're almost like dealing with a spring training workload, if not more, in terms of weight training and everything like that. So 
it's not like spring training is this ramp up pace. It, yes, of course, you're playing live games for the first time, you know, unless you're in the height of COVID down in Florida and these guys are playing the sim games that, you know, are apparently like the stuff of legends. But it's the first time that you get in-game action. But in terms of workload, in terms of building up, it's probably not very different from what a lot of guys are doing in the offseason, right? Especially on the major league side. I think on the minor league side, certain organizations and certain positions will have more defensive work than probably you would have given yourself. Yeah. I think that most guys are going into spring training ready defensively. That's not what I'm getting at. But I don't think guys are running themselves through a gauntlet on in, intentionally. Um, right. You know, I think right. I think that catchers doing early work at, at 6 a.m. is something that most guys probably didn't do in the offseason. Right. So I think there's a little bit of that. you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. Right. And, you know, you're also you're also catching, you know, depending on where you are, you're catching three, four, five bullpens, which, like you said, those guys that are catching at Tread, the guys that are catching at Cressy, those guys are already doing that. I mean, last year I caught at the University of Louisville, I was catching three or four lives uh, in a day. And I, I think showing up, and it's, you know, a lot of guys, it's getting warm. Um, it's getting out of the cold. It's getting outside. It's like any college baseball player that plays in a cold place, like just getting outside, getting on a baseball field. Even if you're in a warm place, there's a lot of guys in warm places that don't always get to get on a baseball field. Yeah. A lot of cage work, a lot of stuff like that. And in those cases, just getting out on a baseball field is so nice. Being around guys again, wearing team issued apparel again, <laughs> um, just the whole thing. You know, it's like season's back. It's some the boys of summer are back. Yeah, I this just feels fun. Like as somebody that covers the game, as somebody that can't wait for the game to be back because. You know what? I get paid a bit more when baseball's in season. Um, you know, like I can't wait for the game to be back, A, just because I love baseball. Um, but as somebody that's like fully in it and is there when pitchers and catchers are reporting, that has to feel like a holiday, more so than you know, opening awesome. day. I mean Well, it definitely it definitely feels like Christmas because when you show most guys, when you show up, you got like, you know, all your stuff from the, you know, your your whoever's whoever you're repping gear wise and bats and you're getting your gloves and it is Christmas. It's so funny though. Like seeing the level of athlete, like I remember walking into that Chicago clubhouse and like, man, I was pumped. You know, I had my 12 bats. I had my set of gear. I had this right. and that. And I'd look over and like Chris Bryant has half the locker room that they've got to figure out a sort and put away yeah. his boxes, you know? So um, what are you getting? What is like a KB getting or a Javi Baez getting? So walk me through like what you walked into when pitchers sure. and catchers reported. Sure. I, I mean, typically when I would walk in, I would have at least uh, if I had got custom gear that year. So I didn't get custom gear to like my second or third year in the big leagues. And if I had custom gear, that might not be there yet. But I didn't really care because I wasn't usually using that custom gear in spring training anyway. Right. I was going to use uh, just some standard gear, but they would send me a set of gear for spring training. Uh, I'd have a dozen bats and let, um, I think like occasionally if like, I think one year I had my agent ordered me some bats also. So I had a little more than a dozen. Nice. Uh, I'd have my gloves from all-star. I was all-star my whole career. So I was all-star. I used BWP bats. I used Victus bats. I used Chandler bats. I kind of bounced around a little bit. Ended my career uh, last year, ended my year last year. I ordered, um, BWP. I used BWP all year last year. And then cleats and shoes. I was a new balance, new balance guy for a little bit. Um, 
So, you know, you're showing up to probably, I would have a pair of running shoes, a pair of turfs. Like I was a guy that I, you would, you typically either get like two pairs of cleats. So like either a pair yeah. of high tops or low tops, something like that. Yeah. You know, for the most part, like KB's walking into, you know, I can't, a, a box of undershirts, um, a box of sliders. And when I say box, I mean moving box. I don't mean like right. priority mail here, okay? No, like and he can wear something new every day if he wanted. Pretty much. I, I would I would go to, especially in spring training. And then uh, the amount of cleats is just absolutely absurd. There's a guy, uh, there's a guy, I won't name him, but there's a guy that had a had a foot issue and he wanted to wear a pair of cleats that a company didn't make anymore because the new cleats hurt him. And so the old cleats, he knew they didn't. He had a foot issue that like he couldn't wear multiple uh, brands. And so there was like one cleat that he knew this doesn't hurt my foot. I got to do it. The company like paid like one year to have like some outsourced group make him like three years worth of shoes. Wow. And that's like, and they were, but they said to him, Hey, you got to make these last. This is all we're going to make for you. Yeah. Uh, but that's cool. You know, it just depends. Uh, a lot, you know, a, a lot of kids are seeing the custom shoes and the, all that custom stuff. Only thing I'll tell you with the custom shoes is that typically if you are a guy that is sponsored by somebody, if you are a Nike guy, if you are an Adidas guy, they want you wearing things they make. So, yeah. um, you know, if, if they don't make an air Jordan one, that colorway in a cleat, they probably don't want you wearing it. Spring training, not a huge deal. And a lot of the guys, leave, you know, some of the guys will even take a slap on the wrist occasionally. Right. But, uh, you know, it's always fun. And then the other thing that those guys get, like the top guys are getting stuff from companies. They're sending them stuff knowing they're going to be there. They know the address for that place, so they can send them something and hope that they like it and post it or, or whatever it may be. Right. That makes sense. Um, you know, obviously you see the the custom shoe thing in basketball. Like it took off with with MJ, but, you know, obviously the, the Kobe thing is taken off like crazy. But now you see Kevin Durant wearing a new pair of KDs and it's big and, and Nike is releasing a, a Ja Morant after they dropped Kyrie and, and the Ja won. You know, Jaw's wearing these and everybody sees them in the colorway. And I'm sure sales for the Jaw one, once they're out, are going to be crazy. You don't necessarily get that in baseball that much, but there are some cleats where, where a guy will wear, right? And I think, um, what, Griffey had some custom Nike cleats and, and those have been picked up. I mean, up, Trout, right? Trout's, Trout, the, you know, the, the main pair of Nike cleats right now are Trout's, which is, yeah. that's so cool. I, I remember like, so I lived in Chicago during Jordan's heyday. And I remember, well, no, I don't remember that. I was like four, but I do remember people talking about like him having interviews, talking about playing against guys wearing his cleats. And I just can't imagine how cool that is. Or like his shoes. Wearing his shoes. Yeah. Trout. Like I can't imagine like you're, you know, some of the best players in the game are wearing trouts. Like, yeah, that's cool. That's a really cool thing. It is a really cool thing. It's it, that's got to be cooler than seeing somebody wearing your jersey in the stands because it's like, oh, yeah, generic eight year old kid is wearing my jersey. That's awesome. I made it. But when like a guy with an 800 OPS is wearing my model cleat, I'm like, you know what? I might be better than you. That's really that's cool. Really? That is really cool. And, you know, I think like like a lot of guys will swing different model bats. Like there are plenty of guys that will swing somebody else model of bats. Right. Right. But like not shoes, you know, shoes just, just I probably just because so few people. I mean, honestly, now that we're talking about, it, I don't know. Does anybody else have a cleat other than other than Trout? Um, does Lindor have a cleat with New Balance? I think Otani well, now has the waffle with with New he's, Balance. He's, 
who does? Otani. I oh, think Otani yeah, just yeah. got a cleat. So I know that uh well, you know, the one that I was hoping that would come out that never came out uh was the Clayton Kershaw sketchers. I was oh. really wanting some of those. I get it. Um uh, the Lindor, here's my here's my the Lindor thing. I think the Lindor cleats are like colorways of a model cleat. Okay. So it's not his cleat, which don't get me wrong. It's still really cool to have like all these different kinds of shoes. Um, but I think he's getting it's the same thing like with his gloves. Those glove, those what is it, the Rev One he's wearing, which I really like that glove, but like he's got some colorways there. Um but yeah, let's see. I've got I've got this thing pulled up right now. MJ obviously had his thing. Griffey had his thing. Jeter had his own shoe. Uh, okay. Frank Thomas had his own shoe. How about that? Um, Sosa had his own shoe. Bonds, Trout, uh, Harper. Harper's got his own Under Armour shoe. Right, that's right. That's right. And once again, once again, like if you're wearing Under Armour, you're probably wearing Harper's. Right. Right. Like that's cool. That's that's that's. Yeah, as of cool. according to SI, as of July 2022, 13 major league players ever had their own shoe. And two and of them two were of them Bo were Jackson and Deion Sanders. Uh three of them were playing. Lindor, Trout, oh. Harper. So Lindor does have his own shoe. Lindor has his own shoe with New and Balance. Now, and I think Otani's gonna, gonna get four because Otani, yeah. Because of Otani. All right. Speaking of shoe and all that stuff, this is like a really good transition here. Nice. Taylor, that's you, thing, man, man, bringing up the Jordan thing. Um, tell me about Jordan's career in Birmingham. Obviously, everybody knows that, that Michael Jordan, you know, took two years off to play baseball. And he played for Terry Francona, the Birmingham Barons. He was a double-A guy with the White Sox. But you've got some stuff that is not common knowledge on MJ, huh? And he, and he bought his own bus. He bought his own bus. Did I knew he bought his own bus, actually. Yeah, he bought the bus. Um, here, so... You know, the first thing I'll say about MJ playing baseball, and we'll get into this more, but you talk about must-watch. You're an elite athlete in another sport. You're a professional athlete in another sport. That immediately makes you a must-watch in whatever sport you get to. Right. Um, the, the thing that I heard that was interesting was actually not about the Baron season, but I don't. It, a lot of people don't even know, but he played in the Fall League, I believe. And when he played in the Fall League, some general managers, I, I, I read a thing saying that, People came out, whether it was scouts or general managers, and said, not based on his performance, but based on the adjustments that he had made from the beginning of the season in Birmingham to the end of the Fall League, he had made those adjustments fast enough that there was a chance that he could be a Major League Baseball player. Not that he was ready at that moment, but not discounting the fact that you give him two more years, he could be a big leaguer. And I think that's some there's something to be said there because I think a lot of people looked at that as a as a you know just as as a well now there's all types of conspiracy theories about why he did it but right uh, you know I do think that there was a legitimate shot there just because of the fact that he's an elite athlete and I think we've talked about that the the level of athlete today is just so incredible I think baseball is the hardest sport to do that in yeah but like let's talk about Tim Tebow for a second you know I. I Obviously, the Tim Tebow thing didn't didn't really pan out. My argument for Tim Tebow was if you have seen pitches before at all, and he had seen pitches at a decent level uh, in Florida high schools, you know? Yeah. Now, he hadn't seen double-A pitching probably or major no. league pitching, but he had seen some pitches. 
he was clearly an elite athlete. I wasn't discounting that. Like, I wasn't going to give him, hey, like, there's no chance. Was it going to be difficult? Obviously, it was going to be incredibly hard, especially because he took that much time off and he was just older. Like, right. don't even don't even take into account the fact that he took time off. Let's just talk about the fact that he was this old, jumping right into a ball or whatever, he, wherever he went. That's a hard process to begin with. Anybody going to straight? How, I mean, shoot, Chris Bryant played in rookie ball, played in short season before he went to a ball. So, yeah. you know, it, it's a it's a it's a difficult transition for anybody to do. But I think that it's just – I think that people discount it too soon. Like, I think that there's a place in the game for those guys occasionally. Like, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate from this. But, like, I don't mind that. You think you can do it? Do it. Let's see. Interesting. Let's, like, prove it. So, I actually was kind of thinking the other way. Like, you, you point to MJ and what he did. The guy hit 202 with a 556 OPS that year in AA. So, I mean – I couldn't step into double a baseball and have a five fifty six OPS. Right. And in MJ, when was the last pitch he saw high school baseball? Right. So, you know, this guy is an elite athlete and the only reason he could hit five fifty or hit 200 with a five fifty OPS is because he was that good of an athlete. You take any other, even four year varsity high school player that is that far removed from baseball and slap them in triple a, like, I don't know how many hits they're getting. They're certainly not hitting 200. So there's something to be said for that. Um, my thing is, a guy like MJ, a guy like Tebow, they're obviously not going to give it a fair shot. I mean, even a guy like Russell Wilson, they're they're never going to give baseball the chance. And I think the notable one right now is Kyler Murray, right? Kyler Murray was a top 10 pick by Oakland. Um he hit 200 at Oklahoma. He was not that good at Oklahoma. But the thing is, the tools were so crazy because he's a running quarterback that everybody could dream on some baseball. So my thing is, while those athletes can translate to baseball, it takes more time than they're willing to allow it. Because you think of the wonderkind in the NBA, right? When Banyama is 18 years old, He's going to be playing on national TV as the guy as a 19 year old college football. Even when you're a freshman, you're playing on CBS, you're playing on ESPN for three years. And then all of a sudden you go play on CBS and Fox on Sundays. The, the, the payoff is not there for these guys when they can go have immediate notoriety in other sports. Absolutely. You know, the, let, I'll, I want to jump back. We'll just jump back to Russell for a second. And I, the Russell Wilson one to me is a little interesting because, you know, I, I, I like Russell Wilson. I think a lot of this, the off the field stuff's really, really cool. I think the mental stuff, you know, it's a lot of deep dives there for those that have studied him. He does a lot of cool mental stuff, but I don't know that like everybody saw him being this good. And I actually wonder, like, I think there was a reason that, who was it? Texas or no? Colorado drafted him first. Colorado. I think there was a- he, he played. He played short season and he played low A with Colorado. And then Texas rule fived him. And yes. I think there's a reason that those guys kept him just in case. Like just in case he goes to Seattle, he he right. bonks out in two years. Um, now, when we talk about Kyler, you're absolutely right. Kyler is one of those things. The the interesting thing to about Kyler to me is that he went so high. I talked to a, a scout that told me that he did have arguably the best uh, speed and bat speed in the class. So 
you know, that that makes for a very enticing guy. But like a guy that I'll point back to that you'll hear scouts talk about for a long time is Donovan Tate. If you go back, this is years ago, but Donovan Tate was a guy that was taken extremely high and he was taken that high because the tools were about as good as anybody had seen collectively, not individually, but collectively. And he just didn't pan out. He was just a toolsy guy uh, that didn't pan out. So when I look at a guy like Kyler, now you have to have that in the back of your mind that like there has to be a little bit of baseball in there also. Yeah. That's where the scout still comes into play. That's where watching you play still comes into play. Also, Kyler actually balled his second year. I knew that he stunk his freshman year on the Cape. I didn't know that he played another year after that Cape year. But yeah, Kyler, 27 games his freshman year. He hit a buck 22 uh, with a 440 OPS. Then he goes to the Cape and he's got a 550 OPS. He hits a buck 70. But then he goes back to Oklahoma. Like this is right before he wins the Heisman Trophy and the guy, 51 games, he hit 300 with a 950 OPS. So, you know, yeah, obviously something clicked. Player. Yeah, he's 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 he was a good baseball player. I, I don't think there was any any real question there. I think the question was is I honestly like he was one of the first guys probably in a long time that the question mark was not is he a good baseball player, but is this guy actually going to try to do both? I almost wonder if there was like a reality of a conversation. You know, I played with a guy Matt Caesar who was a really talented uh, college football player, won a national championship, I believe, at either the D one double A or the D two level. At uh, where do you go to school, Villanova? and yes uh, or something yeah yeah and he was a guy that was going to get drafted and for those who don't know the rule five draft you guys have gone over the was it villanova by the way yeah it was nova so the rule five draft for those who don't know is guys that have x amount of um playing time already on their first minor league contract but if you've signed a second contract you are also eligible for the Rule 5 draft. So, Matt Caesar gets drafted by the Chicago Cubs, I believe, 2010. He then, he has a decent year, but he goes back with the ability to play football. He goes and plays football, does well, is going to be a, like, top five round pick. They give him another million dollars and immediately have to throw him on the 40-man roster. That probably was not beneficial for Matt Caesar in the longevity of his career. It was beneficial for him in the fact that it got him to the big leagues faster and it got him to the big leagues and he, and he was a good player. But I think that like, that's one of those instances where Matt Caesar is not on the 40 man roster. He's not in the big leagues that fast. He was a really, really, really good athlete. He might end up being a better baseball player just with more reps in the minor leagues. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, the other one that jumps to my mind is Toby Gerhardt. Wasn't he a two-way guy at, at Stanford? I think I he know. was – obviously, he was a Heisman finalist at Stanford. I think he was – was There was a running back from Stanford when I was there. There was a running back from Stanford that 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 did uh, – that played. And obviously, you know, you saw him, and I played with Anthony Alford, who played at Ole Miss and played uh, oh, yeah. Toronto. You know, he was a really, really talented athlete. He's one of the better ones. Um you know, it's it's interesting because so many guys give up football early if they if they think they're going to be, you know, high draft picks. Yeah. Which, because at the end of the day, for me, it's so much about just pure athleticism when it comes to, like, football and getting those getting those deals. Like, right. those dudes are such freaks. Yeah, that- but, but the coordination level, especially in a non-quarterback position, like, it doesn't need to be there as much as it does baseball. 
Absolutely. It's just different. It's just totally different. You know, I think that it, it just depends on what you want to define an athlete as. But I think that, like, I, I, I've always said that I think that, like, defensive backs, NFL defensive backs are some of the best athletes in the entire world yes. to me. Like, yes, those dudes are as strong as anybody on the on the field, and they're running routes backwards. Like, yes. come on. Stupid. So, yeah, it's a joke. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think there's guys in baseball that could do that, but I don't think there's a ton. Right. But I'm I don't think that. a lot of those defensive backs are hitting fastballs either. You watch like you, you know, you listen to you listen to old baseball or old football players that played baseball. Listen to Deion Sanders at, talk about what's harder, football or baseball. Deion Sanders will tell you without a question, playing baseball was more difficult just because it's so hard to hit 97. It's so hard to hit the the 83 mile an hour curveballs. It's just it's just incredibly difficult when you don't know what's coming. So we were just talking about this on the Just Baseball show on Friday. Um, you know, Jeff Conine, uh, Outside the Box with Jeff Conine is a pod that comes out, uh, you know, about monthly. And, <clears throat> sorry. And Jeff just took um, a job in the Marlins front office again. So, you know, we'll we'll get a lot of Marlins conversation from him and Aram Layton. But, um, you know, Aram has asked Jeff Conine about Bo Jackson and you know, he pretty much said, like, how good could he have been? Obviously, injuries derailed both. And Jeff said, um, I truly think if he put all his eggs in the baseball basket, he would have been a Hall of Famer. Like, these athletes are that gifted, but baseball is such a hard sport to not do full time. I mean, obviously, he was an excellent, excellent, amazing football player because football is easier to do part time. Baseball is not a sport you can do part time. Yeah, you got to see pitches. It's all about just cons- – and, you know, like, he couldn't see pitches during the football year. Like, you're not going right. to – what, on Wednesday after your Monday night game, you're going to go to the cage? No chance. No shot. You know, I think, like, the conversations that, like, all the TikTok memes and stuff, like, if you could bring back one athlete or, like, relive one athlete, if it's not – if the answer is not – although, I would t- if the answer is not Bo Jackson, I don't know who it is. There's a legitimate chance that guy, if he's healthy, is a Hall of Famer in two sports. Like, I don't think it, I don't think that could be said for anybody else. No, nobody else. Not Dion. Dion's the I only one think, that comes close. And I don't think that'll be able to be said for anybody else. Like, there's no chance. I went to high school with 700 people, and we had one guy that played two sports. One. I'm high school at the varsity I, I, level. Sorry, sorry, I graduated with 700 people. We had like two over 2,000 high school. Graduated with 700 people. We had two. We had one guy that played two sports at the high school level. And he was a he could have gone Division One. Uh, he did go. He went to Vanderbilt to play baseball, but he could have not gone Division One uh, to Wake Forest to do both, play basketball and baseball. But yeah, but well, that's unique because you have a lot of these pro athletes. Like Matt Manning was a Division One caliber basketball player, and Manning chose baseball, and here he is in the Tigers rotation. You have a lot of those guys. Um, like Judge put up great numbers as what a tight end. Jock Peterson, Jock Peterson, come on. Have Jack you not seen was, the Jock Peterson stuff? No, was he, what was he, like a wide receiver or something? Yeah, him and Devontae Adams were on the same team. Oh, I had Devontae, no idea. Devontae was wide receiver too. I had no idea. Wow. I, okay. I'll give you this, man. I'll give you this. If Jock ever listens to this, man, I, Jock, I saw Jock in double A before he went 30-30 in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Jock was one of the best like athlete baseball, all around baseball players. I watched that system had some freaks. I mean, Jock was incredible. And I still remember 
when I was coming up, I thought, and I, I mean, he still has got a chance to buy. I, I thought Corey Seager was going to be the best player in baseball. I, it, Corey Seager has such incredible internal clock that it, it blows my mind. It was the first guy that I watched when he would take ground balls and he would like throw the ball to first. It looked so nonchalant, but it didn't matter if it was a slow roller or if the ball was at 100 miles an hour. He was beating you to first base by one step. And he was just that much better than you internally. Um, you know, and for a while, there were a lot of really good, like, two-way guys going back. Like, um, who was it? Archie Bradley was a really good two-way guy. Yep. Uh, probably the most famous of recent times would be Bubba Starling, um, the guy that that was going to go play quarterback in Nebraska that mm -hmm. ended up – they the Royals took him because they thought they were going to get a hometown discount and didn't get a hometown discount. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you don't see that a ton anymore, I'll say. I don't, I don't think like of recent memory, not college guys, but I don't remember a ton of, of high school guys that you're like, Oh yeah. Like that guy could have been the quarterback at, at Ohio state this year, but instead he's doing this. Yeah. There, there were a couple. Um, Manning is certainly one of them. Uh, Hunter Bishop who went 10th overall before he went to Arizona state. He was one of them. I think he had an offer from Washington to play wide receiver, but you're right. They are getting fewer and farther between. Um, we're talking about freak athletes, and I think that freak athletes constitute the, the list that I want to spend, you know, the last 15, 20 minutes talking about. Um, and those are must-watch guys in Major League Baseball. I'm curious from a player perspective, what makes another guy, what makes one of your peers must-watch? Is it tools out the ass or is it something else? I think there's I think there's a mix. I I really personally like watching guys with incredible baseball IQ. I, I, I love, I love watching Javi Baez play baseball. Javi's got the best baseball IQ of anybody I've ever met. Um, you know, he may make some mistakes, but on the field, I'm not sure I've played around a smarter guy. Um, I, it's, it's so fun to watch, you know, he's making shifts on his own. He's doing stuff on his own, stuff like that. You hear stories back in the day of Cal Ripken and, calling games you know Cal Ripken Jr. calling games from shortstop I think that's really cool now don't get me wrong tools tools are a lot of fun to watch you know we talked before the pod we've both seen him O'Neill Cruz is a guy for me that I think he's going to be uh, one of the most fun players to watch for a really long time um, Adley Rushman's a guy that for me like he uh, he does a little bit of everything I love guys that do that I love watching guys that can do everything I think Trey Turner's a really fun guy to watch for yes. the same reason um Obviously, watching Mike Trout's fun, you know. Right. Um, and I think that a little bit, like I would say, for most players, it's it's guys that do things that they can't or don't. Um, you know, if if you're doing something, if you're a guy that's uh, gonna lead off the game, you probably want to watch a guy like Aaron Judge. You want to watch that guy. That guy's the fun guy to watch. It's a different guy. It's unique. Go back to that conversation. Well, you know, Judge is leading off games too. <laughs> yeah, he is leading <laughs> yeah. off games now. Isn't that crazy? It's so weird. It's weird how our game has got, but. Guys that don't hit homers, then you know, but right, we're right. Uh, you know, I, I like to see guys that that unselfish guys. I think that I think everybody in baseball tell you that watching guys that are very willing to help the team, no matter what that is. And I believe that you know, you help your team, you do things the right way, like the numbers will come back to you know, the baseball gods will help you. Um, but I, I think that there's I honestly, right now, there's so many guys like baseball is so fun to watch, and we've we've had this conversation before. I'm I'm a guy in other sports where like in other sports, I will watch 
not necessarily teams, but players, because I want to see cool stuff. I don't blame you if you're the exact same way with baseball, because there are certainly guys that you can go watch. You may not watch a Marlins game all week, but you're probably going to tune in when Sandy pitches. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of things like that, but at the same time, you're probably going to go watch every single Braves game because they got a lot of guys on that team that you want to go watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I, I don't mind, uh, like super swaggy players. If you're going to, if you're going to back it up, you know, I love right. watching Ronald. I, I like watching Ronald Acuna play. I think Acuna is an exciting player to watch play the game. Yeah. And the other thing I guess I'll say is I really enjoy watching guys that will help grow our, our sport. Um, I think Acuna is a guy that'll do that. I think, you know, Mookie Betts is a guy who yes. kind of does everything. Incredible yes. baseball IQ, good guy. You talk about a guy that's a great athlete. We all know his off the field accolades as far as bowling and all that bowling, other stuff. Like, yeah. Freak, right? Um, but he also really does it on the field. And so he's a really fun guy to watch. Um, but when yeah, a guy like Jazz Chisholm, a cover athlete, when a guy like Jazz is on the field, right? I Obviously, he's had some trouble staying on the field. But when he is on the field, what he does, does kind of help push out PR for the game. Same with Tatis. No doubt. I think that uh, the interesting part is that is that Tatis is doing it at a, at a significantly higher level and yes. Jazz is getting almost more publicity. And yes. I think that's interesting. My, you know, my interesting thing, I, somebody asked me like when, when the cover came out and I was like, you know, the interesting thing to me is, and no offense to Jazz, but like, you're not the best player in your own team. Yeah, like, I know. I know. Sandy deserved that more than he did. Um, but, you know, good for him. That's awesome. That's a sick thing. But, I, you know, I think that uh, obviously watching any of those guys go out there and do certain athletic things that we can't see. Jazz will be an interesting guy to watch this year because you can go to center field. That'll yeah. be fun to watch. Like, hey, what's going to happen? Um, yeah. You know, even little things like let's go to Boston. Enrique Hernandez, Kike Hernandez, when he went to Boston and started playing significant amounts of center field. That's a change. That's something I like to watch. Like, how are you going to how are you going to handle that? You know, I think. Yeah. So, you know, your your view on this might be a bit skewed, but as you know, you know, a lot of these guys also like you've interacted with a lot of the guys that I'm sure you're watching all the time. So when you have a free moment, chances are you're going to watch the guys that, you know, right, because you want to see how your friends are doing. You want to see how some of the guys that you've almost like helped coach up are doing. But guys that you don't personally know, who do you stop what you're doing and watch that you don't personally know? That's a great, that's a great question. I'll, I'll be honest. I, uh, you know, this is probably cliche. I, I do like watching JT Romuto play. I just, the whole thing, the yeah. whole thing. I think he, I think he carries himself extremely well. The, the, he plays the game the right way. I really like watching that. Um, you know, there are certain guys that you just stop Mike. I think everybody will watch Mike Trout. Yeah. You'll watch. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a no brainer. You're going to go watch Shohei. So, I'm, I'm ready to put Judge in that conversation too, especially with what happened this past year, because the way that he just looks in the box with like that simple of a setup, right? I mean, there there's something about that behemoth of a human being knowing that you can get an 119 mile an hour home run that goes 480 feet at any time. That's almost like same breath as Trout Otani for me right now. I, he's getting there. My argument would be that like Trout, Trout did it for like 10 years, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. That, that that's I think that that's the thing there. Nothing against Judge. He just hadn't had the opportunity to do that. And I think he's getting there. I it's just what Mike did 
for those first 10 years of his from 11 to 21. I mean, just the consistency of production hadn't been seen in a while. This goes back. Like, I just think he was truly, I think he was ahead of the, I think he was like ahead of our game. I think he was better than most guys in baseball. Um, And in theory, like guys haven't really caught up. He's still yep. producing when he's on the field. Um, Let's see who else, who else? So I'll, there are some guys that like rise to a moment, right? Like Bryce Harper, when he's on national TV, especially in the postseason, I got to watch Bryce, but on a Tuesday afternoon, I don't necessarily have to watch Bryce. Obviously, I'll, I'll see the clip of the homer, but he yeah. is a gamer. He rises to the occasion. I'm talking like Tuesday afternoon or or how about like a Wednesday getaway day, right? Who do you have to stop and watch? I'll tell you who I really like watching play, and I think he's underrated, but he's not really. But I love watching Jose Ramirez play baseball. Yes, yes. You know, he's one of those guys that – no matter what he's doing, whether it's the base paths, whether it's in defense or whether it's hitting, he can do something spectacular. There's not a lot of people you can say that with. Yeah. That's why I think like coming up, Javi Baez to me was one of the better guys I'd ever seen because he had that ability. That's the rare thing. Julio Rodriguez has that ability. Not many people have that ability. And so I enjoy watching that if I'm just picking up a game for sure. No questions asked. If I'm, if it's a Tuesday now, one interesting thing that you brought and you kind of brought it up, but like one interesting thing that I heard about the, if everybody can go back to the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, um, they were both free agents at the same time. Yeah. They were both big, uh, obviously they're both going to give massive contracts. And I remember this argument and I thought it was really interesting. And it said, if you're a team that's going to get to the playoffs, you'd rather have Bryce. If you're a team that is not already getting to the playoffs i'd rather have manny because at the end of the year every year manny's going to hit 290 with 30 and play a gold glove defense but bryce has the ability to take over a series unlike anybody in the sport and we saw it we saw it multiple times this offseason the other guy there's a guy in the american league that does it too also underrated because he's only hitting but jordan alvarez is an absolute freak and He's massive, so everybody sees him as a freak. But, dude, we we faced him in – I was in Iowa. He was in Round Rock, and we treated him like Barry Bonds. We yeah. we intentionally walked him uh, every at-bat except for two, and he went opposite field homer on two at-bats. And the one at like, – after he did it, like, the second time, we literally intentionally walked him the rest of the at-bats. He stopped bringing his, his like, elbow sleeve and his shin out. He just <laughs> – he he, there was one at-bat at the end of the series. He didn't bring his bat. He stood on deck. <laughs> so that is the guy that I derived the most enjoyment from watching this year. I'm really happy that you you picked his name um, because that guy, like I would not miss your Don at bats. If, if I was torn, you know, West Coast game, if, if the Astros were out in Seattle or Anaheim or something, and I had the choice between three or four West Coast games, I was always watching the Astros game because they probably were running out of starter that I really enjoyed, whether it was Framber or Javier or something. But it was also because that guy has this gravitational pull. And I I I think I I think I saw you right after I talked to Mervis when when the Iowa Cubs were in town near the end of the year in Indianapolis. And you know, I was talking to Matt Mervis because he's he's friends with Aram, you know, has been on the call up a couple of times here. And I asked him, I was like, who are you watching? And he was like, simple power hitting lefties. And 
I said, so who? And he said, well, your Don is the one that I'm watching right now. And I'm like, he's kind of the gold standard when it comes to lefty power bats because it's such a simple swing. He doesn't have this whiff. He's 300 with a sub 20% K rate. That's where I say he's not the gold standard for lefty power bats. He's the gold standard for left-handed hitters. And I think that I think that that's the reason that Freddie Freeman was so impressive to so many people for so long was not because he was hitting 30 home runs or not because he was hitting 300. It's because he was hitting 300 with 30 home runs. Like the thing that Jordan does that makes him so enjoyable to watch, even in the playoffs, the at-bats, they're great at-bats. He's putting together monster at-bats. And I think that that just shows his aptitude. And once again, that's a guy with great baseball IQ now, be it just at the plate, obviously, right? Like he's not really a defender, but that's a guy that can do a lot of things better than a lot of people. That is a really fun at bat to watch for sure. Are there and any then, oh, like the other thing I like to watch, I love to watch like defensive specialists. Yeah. Guys that can just really pick it. The guy that like comes out to comes to mind for me. I don't know if you remember seeing him this year, but there's a guy in St. Paul named Elliot Soto. Who got a his first major league call up, I believe, with Anaheim, and he's bounced. He's got a couple like cups of coffee here and there. Just the most unbelievable hands you've ever seen in your entire life. And I remember asking him one day, like, dude, how did you do that? And he said, you know, um, most guys when they're young, they go to the cage, they go do whatever. He's like, I didn't do that. I just kind of threw the ball off the wall and figured out how to move my hands. Cool. And it's so like I would go out, I would go out for BP to watch him take ground balls if I was playing against him. That was a question I used to always ask, uh, like, my veteran coaches. Who would you, especially pitchers, who would you um, stay? Who would you, if you were on the road, who would you stay to to watch BP? Almost always, you could probably guess this, but there were two guys, uh, and they were once teammates, but every, every pretty much every one of them said Canseco and McGuire. Yeah. Like, watching Mark McGuire hit BP, they said, was just the most unbelievable thing you had ever seen. Yeah, I heard that Miguel Cabrera, when he first got to Detroit, was like, "This is this is a thing of rumor. I have zero, I have zero intelligence in this being, <laughs> but I was told this, so I'm going with it." That he like, and I believe he has this ability, but like that he would go like, uh, left field foul pole, um, like right at the left fielder, left center, center, right center, right right field foul pole, and back homers consecutively, mm. and just move it around. People will tell you that Ichiro had more power in BP than anybody you'd ever seen. Yeah. It's That's cool. the yeah. one I've heard. Like stuff of legends is Ichiro pumping bombs in BP. And that's just that's just that just goes back to one of the one of my favorite like clichés is the best hitters in baseball control the barrel the best. Yeah. And and they can manipulate the baseball. Yeah. Ichiro could manipulate the baseball better than anybody maybe other than Tony Gwynn. Yeah, I no, I mean Tony Gwynn, obviously famous for the five and a half hole. Um, are there didn't, any pitchers? Tony, Tony Gwynn, Tony Gwynn didn't get out of the cage. This is an interesting stat. This is, I believe, this one actually is true. He wouldn't hit the ball. So, like, you know, like the turtles in BP. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't hit the ball out of the turtle until his third round of BP. Why not? He would hit directly across from him the first round. His second round, he was just trying to hit the front, the front line. So he was trying to go directly across from him as late as the ball could get. And then he would get it a little bit more forward towards the field, like almost a third baseline. And then he would, and then he would move on. So his third round was, was in play. Dude, that's really cool. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned gloves. Was Andrelton Simmons a guy that you just couldn't take your eyes off of? For me, Andrelton Simmons in Atlanta was insane. So he was really, really good, but it's almost like he made it look too easy sometimes. Got kind it. of the, I'll be honest with you, it's a little bit of, it's like the Kevin Kiermaier effect to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I think both those guys are just so good. Like a guy that I loved watching the outfield was Kevin Pillar. Mm-hmm. That guy, you know, I loved watching that guy, but I, I think there's plenty of guys. I mean, Andrelton and, and Kiermaier both are going to go down as, as some of the best ever. So yeah, for sure, those are, those are guys that have been fun to watch. Are Jose any- Iglesias. Jose Iglesias. Iglesias, yep. Especially watching when he was in Boston. Cool stuff, watching him do his cool stuff in, in, in BP and stuff. That's, you know, all that stuff. 100%. Uh, are there any arms that fall on your list right now? I love watching, like, dominant late-in relievers. I love watching those guys come in and just, just, just blow doors. So, Edwin Diaz, like, is obviously the first name that comes to mind, but I feel like that's a lot of the surrounding fanfare that makes Edwin Diaz must-watch. Um, Class A jumps on that list for me, too. Like, I'm sure Prime Chapman was on that list for you. Um, any Tim- starters? Like, Cease, Cease, obviously, you know, but Cease is I, I like watching. I like watching Dylan Cease. Um, I like watching guys that – I like watching – I would probably go to say uh, – Older guys that are like that that are that are managing games. I, I try to like if I'm gonna watch if I'm gonna sit there and watch a starter, I want it to either be a buddy or somebody I can learn from. So if I if I can get a guy, if I can go watch Max Scherzer and watch how he's pitching, um, that's how I'm gonna do it. Now, like I may not watch a Justin Verlander start because his stuff and what he does is just pretty much overpowers you the entire game, right? Yeah. Uh but Wayne at the Wright. same point, I'm for sure tuning into Jacob DeGrom. I'm watching every Jacob DeGrom start. I'm watching uh you Darvish. You know, I'm watching those starts. That's that's exciting. It's a, you know, he's got 25 pitches and he picks which ones he wants to use that day. Right. Um, trying to think. Yeah, that's a that's a great question though. I I'm not sure. Like Kyle Hendricks is a guy that jumps out to me. That like yeah. fun game to watch. Yeah. You know, 100. But it's, it's unique. You know, it's something you don't see. It's something that I don't see every day. Right. Right. Um, you know, a couple names that jump out to me like. It's it's obviously each pitch in a vacuum, but McClanahan has become must watch for me just because it's insane fastball, insane curveball, insane yep. changeup, and he goes to any of the three insane pitches at any given moment. Say honestly, kind of same thing with Glass now, just because he's that like massive of a human and he's built that well. And you know, you may not know where it's going sometimes, but here you are with it with a nasty hook and things like that as well. Changeups. I love watching good changeups. That's fair. I, I believe the changeups, you know, the one of the best pitches in baseball. It's probably why I'm such a big fan of Grayson Rodriguez. I want right. to see that pitch in, in, in the big leagues. I want to see that changeup and see what guys do to it. Um, I, I love I like watching Josh Hader. I like watching guys when you know what's coming. Like yeah. the hitter knows what's coming on guys. I faced Lance Lynn. You knew what was coming. I was going to get fastballs up and away. And I was just going to swing and miss. That's literally what the scouting report. Hey, this is what he's going to do to you. Just so you know, here's what's here's what's going to happen. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And I swung and missed. But like, I like watching that because that's super interesting. The same goes for hitters for me, I guess. Like, if I know that a guy is a certain uh, hole or a certain uh, like clear cut, don't go there. And guys are either going to go there or not go there. I want to watch that guy. I want to see what's going to happen when you know what's coming. Yeah, I, you know, those, those guys are fun too. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Taylor, this was fun, man. We got a player conversation coming up on uh on what on third on Friday. 
Um, Friday. Friday. Yeah, on Friday. This was good. Sick. Appreciate you guys. Uh, of course, like, share, to- follow. Yeah, like, share, follow, listen to the Just Baseball Show, listen to the call-up. Taylor's hopping on the call-up with Arm and I to do a 2018 redraft later this week, which is going to be great. 2019 and 2020 were already a blast, so 2018 uh, is going to be awesome, and it's going to be three people instead of two. So we will talk to you guys on Friday. See you guys.